thank you for joining joining us for this next installment of the Hour of Grace. We're going to continue in our study of Ephesians this week. Let's pray. Lord, bless your word. Uh, may we uh, meditate on it. May we allow it to sink into our hearts and impact how we live, how we fellowship with you, and how we love you. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to start today this chapter, uh, verse 4 of chapter 2 and move toward today and tomorrow toward this really high point of this description of God's grace and mercy in our Bible. In order to do that, let's uh, let's begin once again chapter 2 just to remind ourselves of how we get here. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And the reason I wanted to read that again is just to remind us of the seriousness of the human condition, um, that, that, that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, objects of wrath. This is very serious, of course, and, and, and the language is strong. But as we consider this and, and think of the next verse, now in the NIV translation, verse 4, which is going to really kind of provide the answer to uh, the, the situation in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. The next few verses then help to describe that uh, condition as we talked about. And we come to verse 4, and it says, uh, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. And I want to suggest to you that I'm going to, I'd like to read this from the uh, NIV translation, Ephesians 2, 4. But, but God, who is rich in mercy. And the reason for that is that phrase, but God, in the original language is thrown to the front of the sentence. And it's thrown there for emphasis. And I think rearranging it to try to help make sense in the translation I just read to you, uh, frankly, I think it weakens it a little bit. But God, it's, so, it's a dramatic effect, really, that Paul has here. But God, and it really connects again back to verse 1. As for you, being dead, you were dead, being dead in your trespasses and sins. And he describes what that means. But God, we could say, you being dead, but God being rich in mercy. And that's, those two thoughts really are the bookends to this section here. But God who was rich in mercy for his great love for which he loved us. I think that's a really a, a better translation of this. And that's why I want you to think about it. But God, but God, this goes with that initial thought, as I mentioned from verse one, you being dead in your sins, God being rich in mercy, but God being rich in his mercy and grace, rich in mercy. Mercy translates uh, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which I've mentioned several times, the Septuagint. If you ever see a capital L, capital X, capital X, when you're reading commentaries, that is short for the Septuagint. That's because the, the, the 70 translators who translated the Hebrew and the Greek according to the Jewish tradition. And that, in that translation, this Greek word that Paul uses here becomes more common for the word chesed in the Hebrew God's rich mercy for his people, for his loved ones, for those whom he has called himself. And, his, his, and we see it throughout the Old Testament, God's mercy, his rich mercy toward his people. But God being, and, and notice the, the expansiveness, the, this idea, of this, but God being rich 
It's not miserly. It's, 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 it's overflowing. God being rich in his mercy for with he loved us. You know, it's similar to the passage in, we read in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 8 where we get this, this verse uh, begins with this phrase, but God, Romans 5, 8. After Paul talks about uh, uh, whether a righteous man would die for a sinner or not. And he says, but God, but God demonstrated his love for us, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Why? Because he loved us. His love is what motivated God to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We just celebrated Easter, uh, the Passion Week, uh, the crucifixion on, on Friday, the resurrection on Sunday. And we read from Isaiah chapter 53 about the suffering servant of God, which we believe was the Messiah, which was Christ. How God poured out his wrath. Twice it says he, it pleased God to crush him, to strike him. Strong language in the Hebrew. Because what Christ did on that cross at Calvary, I believe during those three hours of darkness, especially when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God poured out his wrath and anger upon Christ. Punishment for sin. And Christ bore our sins and carried them and took God's punishment. Why? Because he loved us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But God, who is rich in mercy with the love with which he loved us. And we were dead in sin. And I just want us to remember to, that, to, to keep that in mind as we move toward this section that's going to describe God's wonderful grace and mercy. And we're going to get to, in our next lesson, that very, very well-known verse, so off memory. We teach all of our children young people in the beginning to memorize this verse. For by grace are you saved. But in order to understand the importance of that, we must remember how this starts with verse 1. But you being dead in your sins... Christ, but God being rich in his mercy, condition of spiritual death, and how, and how important it is to understand uh, whether we fully grasp it or not, it's what God tells us. We being dead compared to God being rich in his mercy. And so th these are very important words and, and words that are, uh, there's several words in this passage, mercy, love, grace, you know, all these wonderful words that describe uh, what motivated God and what the character of God is in his holiness, his justice, but also his love, his mercy, and his grace. Now, I want you to, we're going to look at something really important here before we get to, uh, for by grace are you saved in, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But we have something really important here in this in this section. First, and in, in back to chapter 2, and verse, uh, let's finish this, but, but God being, because of his great love, verse 4, for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. There it is again. Then he puts here, it is by grace you are saved. It's almost like he kind of uh, interposes his thought here. For by grace are you saved. And, and, and he's going to come back to that in verse 8. I mean, it's just like Paul can't help himself. For grace are you saved. When, of course, motivated by the Holy Spirit and our view of inspiration. But we have here, really, for the first time, the main verb here. Uh, in this section here, the main verb, and we're going to see uh, it's kind of three applications. In, in verse 5, where it says, made us alive with Christ. And this is really important. We're going to see, we're going to see here three 
together with uh, Christ. Uh, this idea together with. We're going to see three of these in this passage which really form the heart of this section. The first one is made us alive with Christ. What's really interesting is the word that's used here in the Greek language for made us alive with. The commentators all pointed out it's it's like it, well it is, it's a uniquely kind of Paul created word. Maybe you've done that sometime. Maybe you've kind of made up a word to put two words together that to express a thought that you don't have a word for. The only other place this word is found, it's not found in any Greek literature up to this point, any of the Septuagint, any classical Greek, any other Greek literature. The only other place you're going to find it is in really what we call, I like to call the sister passage to this in Colossians chapter 2. So many of these thoughts we're going to find in the, in the Colossians 2 as well. But we find it in Colossians 2, 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He's taken a word uh, made alive with, which you'll find in Paul, and then added to it, made alive with. And it's like a unique Pauline word. We have been made alive with Christ. This is something that's happened. It's, uh, it's happened in the past in the tense of such that it's an ongoing experience. Not that we will be made alive. We were made alive in Christ, and that effect is still going on. You'll notice the second thing in verse 12, back to chapter 2. Excuse me, back to chapter 2 in verse 6, where he says, And God raised us up with Christ, so we've been made alive with Christ, and we have been raised up with Christ. And again, you have a similar passage in the book of Colossians, and this time chapter 2 in the verses before the one we read before, verse 12, Having been buried with him in baptism, and we'll talk about the one baptism later on in chapter 4, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. We already talked about that. Remember, we talked about, remember how God's power and energy raised Christ from the dead and is likewise has energized us. So we have been made alive with Christ. We have been raised with Christ. Again, this is something that has taken place already and the effect is ongoing still. We're going to talk about that as we close here today. How is that possible that we have been raised with Christ already? Remember we talked about this important Pauline um, principle that he brings in his, in his epistles about being in Christ. That we are identified with Christ corporately, if you will. He is the head. We are the body. And when God sees us, he sees us in Christ Jesus. Through God's mercy and grace, we have been made alive with Christ and we have been raised up with Christ. And then the third with, together with here, we see back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenlies, the heavenlies, really what it is here, because it's translated here, the heavenly realms in Christ. Now we've already seen we saw in our last, uh, last week's lessons that Christ has been seated at the right hand of God above all power and authority in this age and the ages to come. We've talked about that. Here it says we have been seated with Christ. Really, this is incredible. I mean, you know, these are things that it kind of behooves us to, to stop and just spend a little time meditating on. This, this, we who were, we being dead, in our sins and our trespasses, 
objects of wrath by nature, God being rich in his mercy and grace and love, these great words we see in this passage, God's love is the motivation. God's, God's grace is something that is undeserved. God's mercy, this idea in the Old Testament from a, from a greater to a lesser, from someone who has to, to offer to someone who is in great need. Um, this, this, this mercy and grace of God that we have experienced, he has made us alive with Christ. He has raised us up with Christ. He has seated us with Christ. What could, what could that possibly mean? That I'm sitting here in my house in, in 546 North 79, Seattle, Washington, wherever you are seated right now watching this. But we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. I mean, this is an, this is an amazing thought. You know, and in this particular verse here, again, we go to the sister passage in, in Colossians in chapter 3, and we also get an application of this here, which is, is so important. In Colossians chapter 3, we see this. Since then, or you can say, it, because you have been, since then, you have been raised with Christ, right? We have been raised with Christ. We have been seated with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Why? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. What a wonderful thought. But I just want you to think about this thing. But God, who is rich in his mercy and grace, wherewith he loved us, beautiful words, mercy, grace, love, because of Jesus Christ, because of Good Friday and Easter, because of the Passion Week that we have just celebrated, because of this, we have been made alive with Christ, we have been raised up with Christ, we have been seated with Christ, and Paul says, therefore, set your heart on things above. You know, this is a topic we've mentioned before, realized eschatology. You'll see this word every so often in, in theological studies, and it simply means this, Eschatology means the last study of the last things. Ology, right? Biology, zoology, study of. Eschatos, the last things. But it's realized in a lot of ways now. We are experiencing now what we will be. It's, it's, it's an amazing thought to think about. What does it mean that we have been raised up, made alive, seated with the Lord Jesus Christ while we are still alive here on earth awaiting the actual resurrection of our bodies and the actual presence in eternity with God. I'd like you to think about that. And I'll just leave you a question today, maybe a discussion question for you if you're studying this with somebody. What does that mean for us today? What does that mean for you and for me today, especially in these times we're living in? What does it mean that we have, how is this going to impact my life today? How is this going to impact how I live today? The fact that I have already been, 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 been made alive with Christ, raised up with Christ, seated with Christ, but I'm here on earth, and therefore set your mind on things above, not on things near. Give some thought to that, and we'll move in next week to that wonderful passage, Ephesians 2, 7 through 10. Thank you. God bless you today.